Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So for this Friday video, it's going to be a lot like many of my past Friday videos where basically I've picked you know a handful of different topics ranging from precious metals to the oil market to uh, Federal Reserve and their recent minutes that they released uh, actually yesterday and, and just kind of give my take on them, talk about why I think they're important and, and what some of the major takeaways are from it. And I'm going to be starting off with, uh, unsurprisingly, precious metals. More specifically, the recent price action in metals. You know, as you can see in this chart, this is a five-day chart. So we have a little bit of last week and then this week here. And, and the overall, overall trend here has been down. You know, even with the election, which I didn't see as, as, super, as a super bullish outcome for stocks, it should be maybe a little bit more bullish for precious metals, didn't move a whole lot. With the Fed minutes yesterday, didn't move a whole lot. And now today, Friday morning, we're seeing both metals trade down uh, quite a bit, actually. You know, as we speak right now, gold is around 12, 12 and a little bit above that. And, and silver is, you know, right below, it looks like, or right around 1425. This is now obviously things can change. Uh, this is 7:36 a.m. Central uh, time zone, so, so there's still several hours for the markets to be open. Central time zone in, in the United States. Uh, so, but but certainly it's looking right now with with where metals are moving. I'm sure it stabilizes. It's not going to be a free fall all the way through the end of the day, but they're probably going to be on sale this weekend. Which I have an important thing to say about that here in a second. But before I get to that. Um, I do kind of want to reiterate what I said in uh, some of my recent videos discussing the midterm elections and, and other videos. I, I, I still think that, that even with this weakness that we're seeing today, even if it continued next week, um, the whole idea of significant new lows for precious metals, for silver and gold this year, um, I'm, I'm still not sold on that. I'm not. You know, I, I think that you know, going into December, there's a chance of them getting close to where they were uh, when, when they kind of hit their lows back in, I don't remember if it was, I think, September or August. You know, gold was, yeah, we can look. That's that's what we have a chart for, right, guys? Um, we can look here. We'll look to a six-month chart. Uh, gold's low, okay, middle of August, right around 1170. I think it was like 1169 or 1167. Uh, and then silver's low was, let's see here, right around, it was below 14, so like 1380 or something like that. Um them hitting those lows again, I see as, especially gold, I mean, considering the gold to silver ratio has widened quite a bit since then, I see it as unlikely, uh, really breaking down below that, I guess. Uh, them hitting those numbers, absolutely, I think is a possibility as we kind of move into to maybe the middle of December. Um, if we saw silver below 14 again, gold below, you know, 1175. Yeah, absolutely a possibility. But them going to like 1113 or something like that, uh, we, we need some serious dollar strength. Not that it's out of the question at this point. Um, and, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a global weakening of the economy and we saw a rush into dollars. But I just don't, I, I just don't see it happening by the end of the year. And I think heading into next year, January, February, 
even the end of December, there's kind of been a strong seasonality effect over the last couple of years that I think could uh, kind of turn it around, stabilize them. Um, but, you know, for the time being, I still see them as being very inexpensive and, and potentially on, going into this weekend seem to be what you'd say like is on sale. But I guess we, we do have some hours remaining in the trading day to day yet. But, you know, speaking of which, uh, being on sale going into the weekend, of course, none of this should be taken as investment advice. You guys can make those decisions for yourself. But this weekend, huge deal going on from SD Bullion. You guys know that I do affiliate marketing for them. And I'm always doing this 10-ounce silver bar at spot. Well, you know, SD Bullion, they oftentimes cater to larger buyers, volume buyers. So they have low premiums, but they have a shipping charge of $7.77, which... I know for a lot of you guys, is is just annoying, right? Because all of a sudden, that silver at spot is no longer at spot. Well, from now until Monday, you can go to their site, and as long as you add just one of these items, 2019 items, so it can be a, a Silver Eagle, uh, which they have very low premiums on. A single one is 1660 as we speak right now. Uh, Maple Leaf Coin. You know, a lot of these are, are pre-sale, unfortunately. Um Probably not all of them. You can get the, the uh, Kookaburra. You can get a Britannia. Um, there's some other ones in here. If you're just looking for something cheap, you can get a Smalley Elephant, uh, Australian Lunar Coin, and there's another page here. But if you add just one of those to your cart, you automatically get free shipping if it's over $100. So what you can quickly do, what I would suggest, again, don't take this as investment advice, but if you want this free shipping thing. So there's a link below in my description to this video. You can click on it. It's for the 10-ounce silver bar spot deal there's no longer a code associated with it which is nice you add that to your cart and then you add one silver eagle or, or one small elephant or something like that to your cart and all of a sudden you have that 10 ounce bar at spot actually at spot because there's no longer shipping with it and you have the coin with it so just some just some ideas um by all means make these decisions for yourself but i thought that was a pretty good deal and it's a great way to help me out i know a lot of you guys are like hey i'd love to help you out with that deal but i just no. what why would i do that with the shipping and i get it um but here's your opportunity you know from now until monday so um link below in the description to uh the 10 ounce bar at spot and if you click through that link it, it kind of you know credits me if you want to support my channel yeah that to your cart and then you can navigate around their site and find this deal add one of these coins and bam here free shipping um, from SD Boolean, which I don't know if they've ever done free shipping. So it's kind of a big deal. They, maybe, I don't know. But it's certainly not since I've, I've been with them. Um, but anyways, moving on to the next topic. Um, Bank of England refuses to release Venezuela's gold worth $550 million. This is from Kitco. I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned in this. But basically what's going on is that uh, the Bank of England has been storing gold for the country of Venezuela for some time now. And now Venezuela wants to take possession of it. At least 14 tons, 550 million. In the whole scheme of things, that's not a ton. Well, okay, it's it's several tons, but it's not a ton of gold, okay? But, you know, for a struggling country like Venezuela, it's, I guess, important. Basically, they're trying to repatriate it. And Bank of England is basically saying, no, we want, we have, as they say, there are concerns that Mr. Maduro may seize the gold, which is owned by the state, and sell it for personal gain. Which I get it. You know, I, I am no fan of the Maduro regime, uh, his socialist government, what they, you know, their their role in uh, their their country's current economic, basically, collapse, hyperinflation, all of that. And I don't trust the guy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past somebody like Maduro and his goons, too. Uh, 
basically repatriate that gold and then sell it for personal gain. But, you know, I think this brings up some really good lessons and some really good points about sovereignty, first of all. Like, is it Bank of England's decision for them not to get this gold because they have some concerns about it? You get what I'm saying? Again, we can relate this. I do this so often when it comes to, like, countries' budgets, but you can relate this to your own personal life. Let's say you're, you're a guy, okay? You have a wife. You have three kids, okay? And uh, you and your wife agree you guys are going to start investing in precious metals, okay? And it's going to be a part of your long-term plan going forward. It's going to be part of your long-term investment plan going forward. And uh, you kind of agree that, hey, we're not going to really sell this unless we really absolutely need it or we need some big purchase or something like that. Okay. So you store all this gold. And then, you know, along the way, um, your your marriage is a little bit on the rocks. You guys aren't divorced or anything like that. But, you know, things are are kind of rough or whatever. Well, all along, you've been asking to store this this, uh, gold, this silver at, well, let's say the bank. Okay. That's your local bank. Okay. And now you go in there one day and you say, hey, um, could I could I get take possession of that? And they say, no, we're not going to give that to you because we're concerned that with the state of your marriage, you might just sell this for yourself and, and go out and buy it like an ATV or, or not, not that that woman don't enjoy ATVs, but something that only you would enjoy and that it's not going to be in the best interest of your family. I know it sounds silly comparing Maduro, Venezuela, Bank of England to, to a personal decision, but it's... Am I wrong? I mean, there's a serious question of sovereignty. Like, is that the bank's position in this scenario to decide what this guy and his family do with their assets? Same thing goes, I think, for Bank of England. As much as I'm not a fan of the Maduro regime, I get it. Should they just not be allowed to to take possession of it? I think there's another another important lesson here for, for us stackers. The whole idea of if you don't hold it, you don't own it. Right, it, and again, we can relate this to our own personal decision, and it, it really points, pokes fun, points out just how ridiculous it is that they had their gold there in the first place. And this is not uncommon, right? We've heard in the past of countries like Germany storing some of their gold, and I think it was like the New York Fed building, um, or or somewhere else in New York, or you know, countries storing their metals all over the the world. And imagine for a second, like, let's say you're a stacker, which if you're watching this video, you very well maybe, okay. Would you trust, let's say, your very best friend to hold on to your silver and gold for you in his own safe or in his own house rather than your own? And the answer to that question very well might be yes. Like, hey, I trust the guy. I trust the girl, whoever it is. I trust them and they're not going to take that, okay? But given the choice, why wouldn't you store it in your own place, in your own safe, in a place that you can protect, right? Because, yeah, your friend might not... Um, your friend, you might trust them very much, but A, like what if that friendship isn't in the same place in the future? What if they feel you've wronged them or somebody else and they feel entitled to your your assets now? B, what if they have all the best intentions in the world and just let it slip uh, around some friend of theirs or, or fam- family member that they're storing all this stuff for you? Like there's a bit of a trust thing there right? Like, yeah, you trust that they're not going to take it, but still you'd feel more comfortable with it under your own roof. Kind of the same thing here. Like what is Venezuela doing? Like why do countries do this? I I don't know. I, I don't know. I, and, and, and 
I know there's going to be answers out there. Like, oh, it's it's to to keep it in multiple different locations. It's because it's it's a pain to transport. It's because uh, such and such, uh, whatever. But still, uh, if I'm if I'm a country, if I'm a voting member in a country, I want that country. I want my country to to hold its own gold, hold its own silver, um, and and not just hold it overseas, right? We we always talk about like, hey, uh, let's say there's a um, SHTF scenario. Let's say the grid goes down and you have your silver, you have your gold stored in a vault on the Cayman Islands. Like, how are you going to get to that? Kind of the same situation here. Obviously, governments have a little bit better means, but what if all of a sudden, like, uh, uh, the the Bank of England is storing somebody's gold and, and the, the English government and the Bank of England are like, hey, you know what? All bets are off. The The things have changed. The, the world's in turmoil now. We're just going to hang on to this. And I don't know. Maybe I'm being a dead horse here. But just I think there's a lot of great lessons to learn here. You know, the other important thing here is that some people kind of key in on is maybe they don't have the gold. Maybe they sold it. And and maybe that could be an explanation, explanation for this as well. Um, I, I wouldn't put it past them. Wouldn't put it past them. Um, you know, a great example of, of things like that taking place would be uh, the, the recent uh, scandal, the recent bankruptcy of RMC. I talked about this earlier this week. RMC, a um, very large refiner that owes a lot of people a lot of money. And there's kind of two major red flags that went up as I kind of went through this scenario. A, there was a discrepancy in their inventories. Basically, they said they had more silver and gold and whatnot than they actually did. And B, there was a lot of uh, companies that, that sent them metals to be refined. And as far as I know, they're not accounted for, right? It's just sketchy stuff. And so, you know, the, the, that type of stuff, I wouldn't put it past some organization like the Bank of England to not have it. So maybe they're just stalling. I don't know. Maybe they won't give it back, period. But I guess certainly something to continue to follow. Uh, you know, bullion sales, I was going to go over this. There's not a whole lot going on here. Um, you have silver, one ounces in, in, uh, for October, about half of September, which is not surprising. You had a huge influx of demand in September. Still, October was higher than, than almost every other month besides August and, and obviously January. January is almost always a high month. So still higher than, than this just really abysmal demand. I mean, look at June, not even half a million ounces. Same goes for May, not even 400,000 ounces. Um, and thus far in December, still kind of strong-ish demand, stronger relative to this. But if you looked at this compared to past years, 17, 16, 15, uh, still pretty low. But still, people are buying. And I think, you know, if in November, December, we hit uh, close to new lows again, then then that could be a higher month again, closer to something like September. But of course, I don't know. There's always, you know, investors that are that are buying uh, uh, things like uh, Christmas presents and whatnot during this time of year. But But I guess we'll see. Moving on to another topic, I want to briefly touch base on uh, oil. Namely, that oil has continued to drop, which on one hand is a great thing for you and I. Why? Because oil is so important to our lives. You know, if you, unless you own an electric car, even if you do, you still have exposure to the energy markets because you're getting that electricity from a variety of sources. But for those of us that drive cars, uh, we we need to pay for gas obviously and that means lower gas prices but it goes beyond that as well this means that um things like groceries or consumer goods that need to be shipped are in theory going to be cheaper because the cost to ship them is going to be less 
uh, you know, depending if they're using diesel versus gasoline, but still the cost is going to be lower overall. So it's not bad for consumers, but you know, something that I am, I'm kind of curious about is, is how much lower are these prices going to go? The oil prices. And what does that going to mean for us shales industry? You know, I've wanted to have Steve San Angelo back on for a while, and I probably will before the end of the year, maybe before the end of the month, a uh, very smart guy. And, and one of the things that he really, uh, continues to talk about is the vulnerability of U.S. shale industry and how they are just not profitable. Oil, we need to be at an insane valuation for them to be profitable, and it's just not. They continue to increase production more or less, but they're just taking on more and more debt. They're not really making it more and more profitable. And if if oil prices collapse, I'd have to talk to him, get his take on it, what the pain level is and whatnot. But you know, if oil went to 50 to, to 40 like but even where it's at they're already not making profit can you imagine if it went that low uh it, it would be insane so something i think again to keep an eye on finally i want to talk about the federal reserve and their minutes yesterday basically it was kind of what people expected they didn't raise interest rates and uh, this is kind of key points from cnbc uh, but basically they're stuck on the same path that they have been for a while now Jerome or Jay or whatever you call him, Powell, basically has continued on his his hawkish rhetoric of we're going to tighten mostly no matter what. Whatever we've experienced thus far, whether it's volatility in October, volatility back in February, uh, the trade war, high asset valuations, etc. We're going to continue to tighten interest rates because we need to normalize. Um, And and on one hand, I get it. You want to have some firepower for the next recession the next downturn and so they, they they've kind of gotten to that point they have interest rates between two and 2.25 percent which is not bad you know if we look i wonder if i think this has a fed funds rate on here I, fed funds there we go great okay i, I want to uh, okay uh, i want to prove a, a point to you guys here that they do have a bit of firepower and you can see it in this chart here um zoom in more for you guys though uh, as a whole it is important to zoom out though you know as a whole you can see that the, the trend is down right the lower and lower interest rates but in terms of firepower this is what they had to fight the great recession right interest rates were over five percent uh, they're only about half of that today they'll be about half of that after the next hike which i think will take place next month right they still have a long ways to go a long ways to go especially considering how long i mean look at this Look at how long those interest rates were kept at close to 0%. Negative in real rates when you take inflation into account. And then they slowly hiked them up. I mean, look at this. It's It's been, it's been a, a, I think, even slower pace than this. This was, I think, every meeting. I think this is every other meeting, right? So this is going to take a long time for them to get anywhere close to this. And, and I don't think they will. Uh, I don't think they'd even want to, even if, if the markets hadn't dropped at that point. But even look at, you know... When when they were dropped back in the early '90s, it was you know like a year or two maybe. In here, whenever they were dropped, it was fairly short. Back uh, after the dot com bubble popped, it was kind of a stair stepping down instead of just a, almost a straight collapse. It's just a little stair here, but um, they only kept them at the the bottom levels, rock bottom interest rates of one percent for like what maybe a year before they started to raise them again. Following the financial crisis, we kept them there for for like six years before we started to raise them. Something like that. 
seven or six years. And then it's still been slow since then. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just ridiculous. And I think it's important to look at this to, to keep things in perspective. This is what happens when you have so much debt in an economy and when you have an economy that is dependent on more and more debt creation. You can't handle high interest rates. Okay, So he's continuing on this path. The uh, Fed balance sheet continues to unwind. Maybe I can find that for you guys here. Fed balance sheet. Maybe we, I don't know if this will find it. But anyways, continues to, to unwind. There we go. We'll go uh, one year. And we'll go, let's see here, um, eight. So August. So, so you have a good picture of when it started, which was October of last year. And the decline that we've had since then in terms of the balance sheet. And it continues to increase. We're now at the fastest pace yet as of uh, October of this year. That's a $50 billion unwind each month. That's that's uh, split up between um, treasury bonds, which I think is $30 billion, and mortgage-backed securities, which is $20 billion. So this continues to remove liquidity from the system, continues to remove support from the bond markets, from the mortgage markets, where we can continue to see rates rise. Uh, I get it. As I said earlier, I get it. The Fed continues to want to tighten because nothing has broken yet. And they want some firepower for the next recession that I think they know will eventually come. But, wow, the more and more they tighten, the worse and worse I think it's ultimately going to be when this blows up. Not unlike, you know, going back to the last chart that we were just looking at, the tightening that we saw leading up to the financial crisis, this rapid tightening all the way from 1% to over 5%. Not pops bubbles. Raising interest rates, rising interest rates, both of them. Pops bubbles, pops debt bubbles, uh, pops asset bubbles. And that's kind of where we're heading right now. I just think that we can handle even less this time around. So as always, you know, thank you for watching this video. Let me know what you guys think of it down below in the comment section. Are there additional things that you'd like me to talk about next week or in future videos? Let me know. Don't forget about the SD Bullion deal down below in the description. As always, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video and God bless.